Welcome to the WP Tonic This Week in WordPress and SaaS podcast, where Jonathan Denwood interviews the leading experts in WordPress, e-learning, and online marketing to help WordPress professionals launch their own SaaS. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic This Week and SaaS. It's episode 689. Got a great episode. I've got We've got a great guest. We've got Julian Bambo. The Director of Community Experience at SPI Media, they're the people behind Pat Flynn. Obviously, you've all heard of Pat. Um, I've got my great co-host, Andrew, with me. He's a bit tired because he's been doing a live event. Andrew, would you like to quickly introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Andrew from Bertha.ai, and I like co-hosting this thing on a Thursday. It's a bit late in the UK. It's 11 11 p.m. Uh, And, yeah, I've been co-hosting the Atterin Web Agency Summit, so we've had a few thousand people visiting that today. But uh, I'm glad to join Gillian. It's great. Yeah, you've been doing a great job, Andrew. Before we go into the main part of the interview, we got a couple of great messages from our major sponsors. We'll be back in a few moments. Allow us to introduce you to Castos, our major sponsor. If you're looking to get into podcasting, Castos is for you. No penalties on the amount of downloads and the support, should you need it, is the best in the industry. Take a look at Castos for your podcasting solution. That's castos.com, castos.com. The importance of backing up your WordPress website cannot be emphasized enough. We use BlogVault to help us do this on a daily basis. With free staging, migrations, and on the pro plans, malware scanning and autofix, BlogVault is the professional's choice when managing just one website or many. Go to blogvault.com and see for yourself. You seriously won't find a better, more complete solution. That's blogvault.com, blogvault.com. We're coming back. I'm a little bit nervous because I don't know if Julian's going to rate me as the same standard as Pat Flynn. So I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit concerned. Oh, she's don't be nervous. Because <laughs> I don't think I'll match Pat standards, but I don't think I do too bad. But there we go. I'm sure Andrew would disagree. So let's go straight into it. So Julian. Um, how did you get into the kind of semi-crazy world of online community building and podcasting? Right. Uh, well, thanks for having me. Um, and Pat is a very like normal person, so you're right up there with him. Don't don't discount yourself. He's a he's just a normal guy. I promise. A podcasting um, god. <laughs> uh, he loves a dad joke. I'll tell you that. Um, yeah, so I, I've worked in digital community for over a decade. I've kind of lost track. So well before the pandemic, which is kind of when it's really, you know, picked up in many ways. And I got into it totally accidentally. I was, I have a habit of looking when I'm on a website, I'll look at their about and I'll look at their jobs. And I'm just curious, like I, I'm, I'm nosy, <laughs> essentially. And I was on a website and I was doing that and they had a part-time, like super part-time contract, like entry-level community role. And I was like, well, that's neat. <laughs> and I applied and I got the role and then, you know, stayed with that company for years and left it as, you know, in a senior position. I'd got a lot of experience there and kind of just been working uh, mostly in 
kind of the tech startup world and community where it's been happening for a while. But now with, there's so many tools now that any of us can launch a nice community and not have to know how to code. (laughs) Um, So now I'm mostly helping other people do the same, learn how to be community builders. And I love it. So just a quick follow through question before I throw it over to Andrew. So um, like your title, um, Director of Community Experience, do you, how do you explain that to people precisely what you do? That's a good question. And a lot of people don't understand. Even after I explain it, they're like, that's nice. <laughs> um, they don't normally say that when they after they've spoken to me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, I usually explain it as I do. Um, I think more people understand community now, but, you know, if I, I don't really have a good elevator pitch. Um, but I think of community as kind of this, it's everything. Like it's it's customer support. It is public relations. It's sales. It's, um, you know, mitigation in many ways, conflict resolution. It's everything. So I usually just explain it as, you know, I work, I work for a company that has online or digital community and I focus on growth and engagement. And lots of people just kind of like smile and nod and are just like, I don't know. That's kind of like a lot of people when they talk about their very like tech jobs. I'm like, okay, I don't get it, but you work in tech. <laughs> so I, I, I just it. say I, I work on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely get it because, um, you know, I know Mike Demo, who's the community manager for Codable, and he used to be the community manager for Joomla as well. Adam Warner, who's the community manager for for GoDaddy, and it's becoming more and more important to have a person that people in the community can turn to, mm-hmm. but they're not the CEO or the CTO or the or the CFO, whatever. So they're they're one level removed, if you like, not not down mm-hmm. a level, but they can make decisions within the community, and they can also push people in the right direction. And I think that's what community management is all about. With a nice little um, you know, glove, a velvet glove with a with a really firm hand sometimes as well, because, you know, community people can be a little bit, you know, a bit antsy and things have not got right. I mean, trying to deal with Denwood, you know, you'll get to know it's tough work. So, uh, but it's, um, <laughs> you've got. Oh, I deal with WordPress people. <laughs> like, it's, like, it's like herding cats, dude. It's just like herding cats, <laughs> let me tell you. But what are some of the challenges connected to, producing content for different media platforms like podcasting and YouTube, you know, with the editing, the, the, the getting people to use their microphones properly and all this kind of stuff. You know, you've got some challenges there. So to say, maybe give us an example of one that was too challenging and uh, how you address those kind of things. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's a good one for me because I'm, I'm coming into SPI Media as someone who is, I wouldn't consider myself like a digital entrepreneur, right? Like I was coming from a very structured like community role, which to your point, and I'm so glad it's becoming an actual profession and, you know, a a career path for people. So uh, joining SPI and like Pat Flynn's empire of things where he does YouTube, podcasts, like all the things, right? He's good at all of them. Um, it's it's a lot. It's intimidating, and I think I think something that people 
don't recognize, at least at this point in where SPI Media is as a company, is that we are a company. So having a podcast and YouTube and all that, several people are working on it, you know? And so it's that, it's that phrase, like, if you uh, don't compare your start to someone else's middle, I think about that a lot, even with our community. Like, I have a, I have a staff, you know, like we have a community team. And so the kind of content and programming we can produce is different than what someone who's like a solopreneur trying to launch a community can produce. So it's always like, keep that in mind, right? But I would say with keeping up with all of it, I think, um, especially when we're talking about people in a, in a not in a, a team in the sense that we are at SPI, it's it, a lot of it is just p- like being comfortable picking the thing you prefer because it's so easy to be like, oh, there's this new th- clubhouse, there's these new things, there's this new shiny this and that. And so then you feel very spread thin. It's also expensive, you know? Podcasting yeah. is not, not too bad. Like I got a, a Samsung microphone that sounds pretty good, right? And um, it works for me. It just plugs right in versus then you get to like Pat's level where he has like all these things, all these doodads and special effects and whatnot. But like podcasting, the barrier to entry is fairly low and really YouTube too, but it's, it gets very expensive very fast. And, and the skill set and the time it takes for like the mastery or outsourcing, editing, you know, the cost of that. Um, I'm in a, I'm in a like <laughs> tailspin circle of rambling, but all that to say, like, I, I don't think there's, I don't think there's like, oh, this is the thing. You know, it's just what is it that you naturally are drawn to and are comfortable doing and focus yeah. on that, right? That, exactly. And there's a there's a chap out there, another English chap, actually, Michael Killing, who does a sales course on on various other things. And his, his, what, how he runs his business, he is a solopreneur, mm-hmm. but he uses videographers to edit out his video. And there was a learning curve with them knowing his style and everything. So, you know, he, he zooms in and zooms out and there's graphics that appear on the screen. And it's all these guys that, they, you know, he's chucked it out for the Philippines. Uh, I know that my friend uh, who runs Focus WP, she has video editors as well that do, you know, I'll give them a raw video and they'll, they'll bring oh, it she out. She never told me. She yeah, she does. She does. Jeez. She does. She does. co-host on a Friday show for with with uh, Jonathan Denwood. But, you know, just using the resources that are available to you when you can afford them, you know, that will help you grow your business, grow your community, and certainly – uh, I do a couple of voiceovers for Jonathan, you know, in the ads and everything. So it's kind of, uh, and you can recognize them because I've got a very distinctive voice. But the thing is, is that I'm I'm happy to do them. I do them for other people. So if you can get somewhere where you're comfortable with producing and editing the content that you've got, and then maybe just farming it out to someone else when you have got too much to do and your community's growing and your business is growing, let's face it, Pat Flynn had to start from somewhere, right? So you know, we've all learned how to drive. So now some of us are racing drivers, not me. Yeah, but um, so what do you see really um, as the future of independent media? Uh, and are there any platforms and technologies that get you excited now? Because there's so much, isn't there? And, and yeah. you can fly out there and get like real, real, the syndrome of sparkly things. Oh, uh, what do I, oh, I like that. You know, we, in our industry, we've got AppSumo. You know, people are absolutely. Yes. Oh my gosh! Yes. <laughs> you know about that? Maybe even you. So, what are, I, the, what are those? Things, know. Where, where you see the, the the independent press going, or the independent media going, and and what are the things that distract you really? That's a great question, given what's been happening with Twitter the last couple sure. of weeks. <laughs> yeah. I will not go there, uh, but. <laughs> 
uh, yeah, I mean, honest, well, I will a little bit. Like, I'm a little concerned with with where things are going and and the idea of who controls what and all of that. But yeah, just a quick follow up question about that. Yeah, especially podcasting. Have you got some? real focus around podcasting because there does some of the big players um do seem it's an open protocol rss feed but there does seem to be a kind of bit of a land grab about grabbing podcasting and not making it open protocol really what do you mean by that you know, because, um, you know, most podcasts, you, you can get them through the RS feed, but like I think Archer and I think Spotify, they're investing a lot of money, but they're altering the R, customising the RS feed so mm. you can't listen to it on other players. You can own, and they're garden walled in their co- content, aren't they? Gotcha. Yeah, and that's interesting, isn't it? Because it's and and podcasting, I think, still is a bit wild west. You know, it's still like we all, yeah, we all get it, right? We all have podcasts, and we 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 listen. I'm assuming, like, I listen to several podcasts, and it's a big part of you know my day to day. But my husband has never listened to a podcast, right? Like, it's just not for him. And I'm like, no, there's shows for you. I know there are, you know, you like sports and there'll be shows with like insider info about sports and sports ball, you know? And and he's like, I don't care. I read articles, you know? Or he's like, I read athlete Twitters. And so there is, there's a kind of that, like podcasting has so much potential to further reach. But at the same time, companies like Spotify, companies with funding, <laughs> they're going for growth and they're going for, you know, taking over. And so they're messing with things like a social media company. So there's an, an algorithm or that, you know, they're they're putting paywalls and all that. And it's so it's interesting. And I don't know if I really like it, but I also I, I also recognize that I have been aware and listening to podcasts since they started, you know? And so I'm used to things a certain way. It's kind of like, I mean, even think about WordPress, like think about uh, back when everybody had like a, a, like a live blog or whatever, you know, like we all had like, we were all blogging on blogging platforms and then those kind of went away and then it became easier to do your own website. All of those things. Like I was, I was mad when, when the blog feed, like, I can't remember what that was called. Blogger, but like you was could, it? Yeah, like you could, well, you could, yeah, you could subscribe to like people's blogs and then all their new posts would just go in your feed. And then whoever had the main one, yeah, just got rid of it. And that was kind of the end of blogs for a lot of people, right? And so it's like these tools that are meant to help actually sometimes hurt, I guess. They do. And I thought, I think it's also the growth of website design as well, because Mm -hmm. WordPress was, you know, by Mike Little, the co founder Mike Little, an, an English guy, and Matt Mullenweg, who, obviously runs automatic now they they built that on um b2 cafe which was a blogging tool and then fought that into wordpress and then that was that's what it was because matt was a mad blogger as was mike little and they loved blogging but they needed something to make it easier and then wordpress kind of evolved into this platform that other people plug things into plugins and themes and page builders and now we've lost 
Uh, I had a conversation with this with with, with a, a professional blogger the other day, and just saying we've lost the way to blog. You know, maybe there is another reason now for mm-hmm. another blogger to 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 come along a, a total blog platform. We've got things like Medium. You know, they they allow you to blog, but then that's behind a paywall after four visits. You know, all those yeah. kind of people are trying to monetize the conversation, and that's kind of difficult. So. I'm very like your. I'm very much like your husband. I take part in podcasts, but I don't listen to podcasts. I listen to Audible. I listen to books. And I don't even listen to learning books. I listen to completely off the wall books. You know, yeah. not, not horror or anything, but mostly mostly science fiction. So I do like to listen. But when you're a storyteller, you're obviously a storyteller. You like that's why you you did blogging, right? And that's why you got into podcasting because you're a storyteller. And you like mm-hmm. to tell your story or somebody else's story. And the problem with paywalling everything is it only goes to a certain audience. One, they can afford to pay for it. And two, they're kind of either very left or very right or very centrist. So you kind of, it, 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 there's those three niches, haven't we? And they can get a little bit antsy as well. So you know, Spotify, Spotify had those. Joe Rogan, what's his name? Joe. I Joe don't. I've never listened to. His, I've never listened to. I listened to one show. You don't, know, you don't know what you're missing. We need I to go. Think. We need to go for our break. We'll be back in a few <laughs> moments, folks. Hi there, folks. Are you looking to build modern shopping cart landing pages using the power of WooCommerce for yourself or for clients? And you want to do that quickly with little need to know about hand coding. Well, if the answer is yes, and it should be, I've got the perfect answer for you, and that's Launch Flows. Launch Flows is the most modern and easiest way of building modern landing shopping pages for your clients. It also works natively with Gutenberg and the leading page builders like Alamator or Divi. It's really flexible, really powerful. Tribe, are you trying to scale your agency but struggling to find time to work on your business because you're always stuck working in your business? Head over to focuswp.co where you can subscribe to an instant team of white label geeks and creatives to delegate to. Use code WPTONIC for a special discount just for the tribe. With Focus WP, you don't have to worry about hiring, firing, or any other HR nightmares. Just submit a ticket and your new team will dive in. Focus on what you love, outsource the rest. We're coming back. Um, Before we go into the second half of this great interview, I just want to tell you about a live show that I'm doing with one of my Friday panellists. On Friday, with Spencer Forum, we're talking about how to build funnels, marketing automation. You can see all these goodies by joining us at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Funnel Show. Um... It's a laugh. You know how me and Spencer bicker all the time. Worse than me and Andrew, but there we but go. But you can actually learn something, you know, when, yeah. when, when it's just us, you just could laugh at us and say, well, you well we've been listening a lot to you, Andrew, through this well, interview, well, but there we go. There, marriage, you know, that sort of yeah, thing. But anyway, Julian, over to you. <laughs> so I'll let John ask <laughs> right, um, Let's go on to the next question. Else. So... Um, 
do you think engage? You know, um, everybody when they talk about community, they talk about engagement. They're the kind of two kind of trigger words: community engagement. You hear a lot of that. I I get the impression I feel myself getting real engagements getting harder. First of all, would you agree with that? And if you do, got any insights why you think it's getting harder? Yeah, um, I do. I do think it is harder, and I think part of it is. Uh, kind of the pandemic in particular seemed to bring a boom of smaller communities. Uh, and, and not to say they didn't exist before they did. And again, I think a lot of these platforms uh, like Circle, Mighty Networks, you know, that make you can have like a, a very plug and play community, white labeled community without the like need to code. I'm sure I know WordPress has plugins that add community to a WordPress page, you know, the, yeah. these sort of things, it's, it's becomes most, easier. Yeah. Yeah, it's Buddy so it's more, Boss. Buddy Boss is the main thing. Buddy Boss. Okay. And it, and it's, it's now everyone wants a community. So now you're competing to get people in and then also competing to keep them. And that is sort of new. And there, you, you know, it's, it's good in a way because you can have very niche communities, but there's also a lot of noise. So, getting someone to discover your community and then join and have everything in place so that they participate. Cause that's a huge part of it, right? It's like they get in the door. Now what you have to have structure and onboarding so that people feel welcome. And you have to think about how that scales as well. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot that I think uh, people don't always think about with that, but because there's more competition. And then also look at what's trending like in social media, TikTok, Instagram Reels. It's shorter attention span, shorter and shorter nuggets of entertainment or content. And so I've even noticed myself, like I, I'm i ready. I'm like, okay, next thing, you know? And so having to pull people back in and be like, no, this we're going to have conversations, you know, all of that. I think that's a big thing. And so, yeah, I think it's valid that engagement is getting more challenging. I also think because depending where you are in the world, you may be able to travel again for the first time in a couple of years, right? It's like the roaring 20s all of a sudden. Everybody yeah. wants to get out and travel and do things. And so then there's also an added competition of the outside world because we were all stuck in our homes for a couple of years and the internet was a great place to go, you know? And so there's also just the competition of finding the balance of people coming back to your community and still using it and not just leaving because maybe they have a little more liberty um, from a health risk standpoint, right? So when it, when it comes to Pat's show, what are some of the things that that have worked really lately encouraging more engagement and community? I think Pat in particular is a bit of an anomaly because he has such a strong audience base to begin with. Like he's been doing it for a really long time and you you know what you get with him. Uh, but an example, I think, of him continuing to show that he knows what he's doing and that he's, you know, and that he's worth following is, I don't know if you're familiar with, <laughs> with his side project he's been doing, which is this uh, Pokemon YouTube channel. Which keep in mind, it's on YouTube. It's not. It's not a. a I listen to. I listen to a lot of Pat, but I haven't been induced to go to that actually. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's one of those things. Some people are really into Pokemon, and like the trading cards have a, a huge resurgence. And he 
he's just really good at seeing an opportunity for something. And he took a skill set that he had, which is YouTube and live streaming and, you know, all of that. And then he took something he know like he's into that. He he was one of those people as a kid that collected Pokemon cards. This is like not, I don't, I still don't really get it. Like I, I'm like Pokemon cards. I didn't even know that was a thing. I thought it was a game you played on your phone. You know, like I'm totally out of the loop with it, but he took something that was really big for him as a kid. And so he's like in that group of people. And then he just became a leader and not overnight. Like he worked hard at it, but he understands the formula, I guess. So I, I like Pat's very much an anomaly with this stuff. Like, I think you could, you could, give Pat like, like do like draw, draw paper out of a a hat to be like, you're going to start a business about this and your primary, you know, audience connection tool will be that. And he'd make it work. (laughs) Well, that's a a talent to have, but you know, I get the Pokemon cards. We used to, we used to, um, at school, I'm old enough to, to, um, remember cigarette cards, right? Oh, I didn't know. It was like a collectible. That it was a collectible, but I'm, I, it wasn't me smoking, it was my parents smoking. I, it's like me, cards. I'm a collectible. I know, but um, <laughs> and football cards, and we've, we've had them for years. And, the, and when you've got the, uh, I remember my daughter, who's, ni- who's only 19 now, she collects things and watches YouTube continually. Okay. I mean, it's just crazy. I said, do you ever turn that phone off? No wonder your phone only lasts seven months, you know, every time. It's not because it's <laughs> you've dropped it, it's because it's just melted. But the... <laughs> That's the thing about engagement. The YouTubers, the TikTokers, the um, people that have uh, grabbed hold of this concept of that actually people have got a 30-second or a three-minute time span in their head that they've got to do this while they're making a cup of tea. So I need to make my my cooking recipe. I need to fast forward and and this is how you make a pie or this is how you make spaghetti bolognese. This is how you draw a rabbit out of a hat. You know, all these kind of things. And there was one guy that that, uh, during the pandemic had, he was a child entertainer and he used to do balloon um, animals. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he was in trouble because he couldn't go to children's houses and or, or houses and do his demonstrations. He's making a fortune online teaching people how to do balloon animals, would you guess? Great, you make quarter million dollars in his first month. So, you know, it's the niching down, it's the getting the getting the that right thing, that that laser focus stuff. And that's what Pat's good at. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think if you're in the podcasting world or in the in the educational world, I think you need to be laser focused and really niche down and, and just educate your, your audience. Yeah. John, stick with it. Yeah, so and we're coming to the end. We've got one more question. We're coming to the end of the um, podcast part of the show. Hopefully, Julian will be able to stay with us for some bonus content. Um, my last question of the podcast, um, if you're prepared to share it with us, you know. <laughs> What's your um, phone number? <laughs> <laughs> What's your credit card number? <laughs> uh, yeah, you were. Um, we all learn from our mistakes and our cock-ups when we're making them. We don't um, actually think that way. But if you don't mind sharing, uh, what's been one or two of your biggest cock-ups uh, um, and what did you learn from it? How much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. So, right? Um, yeah. You know, they're all learning experiences and I am very experienced. Um, so... I, this question is so good. And I think it's so, um, 
it's so valuable for people to talk about because we all, you know, everything's all the like shiny, very like social media, like edited, like version of reality. And especially with business and things like that, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody and, and, you know, things, (laughs) shit happens. Sorry. I don't know. I don't know how. We are are, are NSFW. Don't worry about it. Excellent. Excellent. Because uh, I, I I must have been a sailor in a previous life because I can I can just go. So I'll, I'll try to rein it in. But um, I think it's important for us all to to be real about that stuff, you know, because it does happen. I mean, Pat has his own examples. Uh, but anyway, so that being said, and this is very specific to community, but I think that's I think it's still a valuable lesson, um, especially early on when I was doing community management. Uh, you, and it's very much like you, a big part of the job is forming relationships with people who come to the community, you know, because you should be that trusted place that they know they can go for help, but you're also the one providing programming or if there's a yeah. fight, you know, you're intervening like, and, and it's this, you're, you're balanced. I, it's, a, it's like not a good, like analogy or visual, but it's kind of like you have one foot in the customer side of how things work. Your other foot's your other foot's in the company side. Be that your own company, you know, your own brand, or like me in in this situation, uh, like a you know a, a big tech company. And so you're always kind of in the middle, trying to find that middle ground of representing the customer. <laughs> that's me on my boat. Representing the customer to the company to advocate for what they're saying, what what's going on there, and then vice versa. You're having to you know distill information from the company to the community. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad and, you know, whatever. So you're kind of in this funny place, right? And I think a huge mistake I made um, early on, and I definitely had to like learn a lesson from, and and it's really served me since, like it was worth it in the end, um, is not holding a strong enough boundary with my relationships with community members. And so getting maybe too close, getting a little too friendly with people, and then um, something happening that they didn't like or that they were involved in something negative and then me having to do my job and then getting incredibly mad, you know, and and creating like a lot of problems that were 100% preventable had I recognized how important it is in my role to like really respect keeping keeping my role, you know, it is tricky, isn't it? Because I think what you're talking about is a bit like um, a doctor. You know, you want a doctor that's empathic. You know, it does care. You don't want some sociopath as your doctor. Um, but on the other hand, you don't you don't really want a doctor that gets so involved that that they can't really function, do their job properly. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit of a balance, isn't it? It is, and, yeah. I, and you know, and I've had experience of that. I run a big, I ran a big Facebook group, thirty thousand people grew it for grew it to thirty thousand people with others, wow. not just on my, on my own. Um, and uh, some people didn't like me so much that they set up another Facebook group just against me and my business. So I've been there, yeah. and I know what it's like because you get too friendly with people, and you it, you do have to have that boundary of, um, you know, it's a glass, it's a glass ceiling really it's a glass mm-hmm. window you've got, to, you've got to stay behind that window represent your company properly but also 
like you say, advocate and mediate for your yeah. community. And that's the whole part of being a community manager is that you've you've got to see the other side. You've, you've got to be two-faced, if you like, in the nicest possible way. You've got to <laughs> see the, the issues and the technical issues and the profitability of your company, but you've got to balance against that the needs and the wants of your community. And that's one yeah. of the hard that's why, you know, I laud you. You're you're brilliant to be a, a community manager. It's a very, very difficult job. You've got to be tactful. Got to be very tactful. Something which I'm lacking, isn't it, Andrew? I could yeah, be, ta- be tactful. You're not there. Yet. A, you know, I could, no, actually, I could be very tactful when I want yeah, to. Yeah, really. Yeah, I can actually, Andrew. <laughs> uh, um, so we're going to finish off the podcast part of the show. Please join us for the bonus part of this interview. You can listen to the whole interview plus the bonus content. If you go to the WP Tonic YouTube channel, we've got loads of videos plus our live shows. There's a load of content over there. Please go over there and subscribe. It does really help the show. So, Julian, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Yeah, for sure. So I have my own little sad website. This is JillianBenbow.com. Oh, it's lovely. It's lovely. It's Jillian with a J, which I know. I don't know how much of your audience is in Europe, but usually it's a G. I know that, um, but mine's a J. Uh, so JillianBenbow.com and I, not too much over there. Pretty basic. But um, if you want to learn more about the community I run for Pat, it's SPIPro.com. It is a paid entrepreneurial community, but if you're just curious, you can read about it on that page. And yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a fun, uh, it's a fun sales page. Go check it out. Yeah, I really enjoyed the interview. Hopefully you agree to come back later on in the year. So, Andrew, yeah. how can people find out more about you and your thoughts? Well, you, can, you can get me on uh, thisisandrewpalmer.com. Pretty narcissistic name, but I love it. And uh, Bertha.ai, <laughs> obviously, WordPress. Never. Uh, well, shush. But are you going to let me tell people about me or not? Shush. <laughs> so, this is andrewpalmer.com. And, of course, Bertha.ai, uh, the WordPress copywriting AI Built specifically for WordPress, right where you work. That's what he's I mean. had. A, he's had, he has had a stressful day. He's been helping run a live event. It's very stressful, actually. Yeah. Um, we will be back next week with another fabulous guest. I'm not sure they're going to be good as Julian, but there we go. Our, um, we'll be back soon, folks. See you soon. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. We really do appreciate it. Why not visit the Mastermind Facebook group? And also to keep up with the latest news, click wp-tonic.com forward slash newsletter. We'll see you next time.